My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy. My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be a bee. And this is Burn. Bees! And this <laughs> is Burn Noticed, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy, recently dis- disavowed by the U.S. government who uses his special ops training to help others in trouble. Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. B and C aren't mutually exclusive, but they are unique in how we measure them. A great episode of television has good writing and storytelling, but a great episode of Burn Notice generally doesn't. (laughs) According to us, a great episode of Burn Notice has at least three of the following criterion. One, Michael Weston solves the weekly problem with spycraft rather than violence. Two, Michael Weston's spy advice voiceover involves practical spy advice rather than passive spy observations. Three, Michael Weston debuts or revisits a distinct alias. Four, the show's sidekicks, Sam and Fiona, are used well, meaning that A, Fiona gets to blow something up or uses her explosives expertise in some other way that doesn't involve blowing things up. Well, she can know things about explosives. That happens occasionally, where she's like, oh, I know this because of explosives. (laughs) This blows something up. (laughs) Or B... Sam gets to be peak Bruce Campbell. Remember, spoilers are coming up, so either watch the episodes along with us or shut up. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan, please get in touch. You can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and no criticism of any kind to burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at burnnoticedpod with a D. So, this episode, episode four. Episode four. Episode four. Welcome to a month of burn noticed. Exactly. Are you loving it? You better be. (laughs) This episode is entitled Old Friends, and it aired on July 19th, 2007. A long, long time ago. In a galaxy far away. Exactly. It was written by Alfredo Barrios Jr., who wrote 17 episodes of Burn Notice. That's a a long-term contract. Yeah, it's a solid number of episodes of Burn Notice. And then he wrote some stuff before. After that, he went on to write for a show called Six. Which was a TV show about SEAL Team Six. I forgot that it was called Six. Here's the thing: I feel like there was more than one because I because yeah. there's also another show. There's another one called SEAL that uh, that David Boreanaz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that one. It's okay, a different, oh, so it's a different one. It's a different show about this one is specifically about SEAL Team Six. This is the quote that you want in your IMDb mm-hmm. description. Pre- yeah, premise explanation stemming from an idea by Harvey Weinstein. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, it was also directed by David Solomon, who, um, who actually directed a lot of, like, um, Mutant Enemy stuff. He directed a bunch of episodes of Buffy. Hmm. Um, and Dollhouse. Yeah, and Dollhouse. Um, he also wrote, uh, directed for Once Upon a Time and Unreal, and that's both, like, Buffy people. Yeah, that's true. Um, was on. Wrote, yeah, so, like, a uh, lot of those. And no more episodes of Burn Notice. This is the only one that he did of Burn Notice. It's very interesting. Um, but that's, yeah, that's... That's a fact. Those are all facts about this episode of Burn Notice, <laughs> which, once again, called Old Friends. I mean, there's some, still some weird directing stuff. I think some of it probably is on, like, a show level, show yeah. level at this point, because there's some things that, regardless of, like director there's a lot of commonalities in the way that it's yeah. shot which makes sense because that's like a television show it's not really a director's medium no yeah it, there's a house style and i feel like a lot of that's also in the editing too but anyway. yeah I, I had no real 
like major complaints about the directing in this episode. No, no, it was so, fine. Yeah, uh, I remember I was looking for it to see if it looked good or whatever. And I was like, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's bad that they they have set us up for this to like be watching the directing like a hawk. Exactly, because they started out so they bad. They started out so bad. Anyway, let's get into it. Uh, let's get into the plot. All right, our cold open. Uh, Michael and Sam are at like a Hooters-like sports bar where Michael notices a Czech assassin. Uh, that is a Czechoslovakian assassin. In order to like not get killed, he picks a fight with this like random asshole at the bar, and then in the ensuing chaos, like takes a moment to say hi to the Czech assassin with his fist and his mouth. Actually, that that sounds like kissing. No, it's yeah. It was a it was a good cold. Another good cold open. Solid like yeah. You know he 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 sees a thing. He, uh, with his heightened spy awareness, he exactly. makes a decision. And he does something violent but clever. Yeah. Can I actually, I don't, can I tip my cards a little early in this episode In this episode of the podcast? Sure, if you want to be a pervert like that. Yeah. This is the best episode of Burn Notice so far. Hmm. All right. Yeah, I think I agree. I definitely like it a fuck ton better than the one that I have to yeah. do that we're going to talk about next week. Like, I think in general there is a much higher competency to the writing. Hmm. Um, do you think it's because it's the first one that hasn't been written by Matt Exactly. Nix? <laughs> the first one that has nothing to do with Matt Nix. And, like, and we'll get into it. There's just also just a lot more jokes. And, like, generally, like, funnier jokes overall. Like, but I think there's something just really, like... Coherent? A, yeah, coherent and efficient about this cold open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so efficient, like... Yeah, it's, it's definitely one of the shorter ones, it's, too. Yeah, exactly. It gets in, it gets out, it knows what it's doing. And, like... It starts out with them doing, like, a fun thing. Like, he's, like, being quizzed on, like, like Miami sports teams and all that stuff, which is, mm-hmm. like, a fun bit. Mm-hmm. Like, everything about it feels kind of, like, fun and quick and accessible and easy mm-hmm. and just, like... Yeah, there was no, like, there's an international conference and those things are useful. It's like, thanks, Michael. Exactly. Like, this feels, yeah, really grounded, but also, yeah. like, we don't labor in it, you know? No. Like, we don't lounge in it like the conversation with his mom from that other episode. No, yeah, like, it's just right to the point. Yeah, no, I yeah. 100% agree. All right. All right. And then the episode keeps going. It doesn't just end there. <laughs> uh, so in the next scene, Michael's booby-trapping his apartment because he's got an assassin after him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who's just, like, sitting outside, yeah, being he's... very obvious. I, I can't quite tell if Jan is there. We, his name is Jan, we yeah, his name is Jan. Um, he is... I can't decide if he wants Michael to know he's there. Like, because I guess he knows Michael knows he's there now, but is he now just, like, hanging out threateningly? I don't really get what Jan's plan is, <laughs> because originally it looks like he's trying to sneak up on him and kill him. Then Michael says hello with his fist in hands. Yes. And then he just, like, parks his himself fist. really obviously outside of his apartment in the next scene. Okay. I'm not really sure what Jan's game is here. I think, yeah. He's either a terrible a... assassin or he's fucking with him. And I don't think that Jan has enough personality to fuck with him. I don't know. I think maybe he does. He's making it so that Michael can't leave his house apartment even though he does leave his apartment well, yeah, multiple times i mean like eventually because they watch him leave i guess yeah. he gives up yeah Jan and that's the of... other thing is he just like drives away mid-scene exactly. yeah i don't know exactly what his plan is either actually now that you mention it but, <laughs> um, but again best episode of burn notice so, so far, far. <laughs> the bar is not high unfortunately not even um, though i love this show and have no complaints outside of all the complaints that i've mentioned exactly but anyway, so yeah, uh, Michael is booby trapping his front door mm-hmm. by like rigging it 
with like a shotgun. Mm-hmm. Which is a very Fallout 4 style trap. Like that's like, they, there's a lot of like levels in Fallout where there is like a gun attached to one of those like mace grips from a shop class sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And if you walk over a wire, it shoots you. So I'm playing Fallout 4 right now. The last couple of episodes I've been talking about Psych, but now I'm all about Fallout 4. So those are going to be my <laughs> references for the next few episodes. Anyways. Anyways, yeah. Yeah, so he's um, booby trapping with booby- a shotgun. Yeah, and Fee's there just because she is. Mm-hmm. And then he's explaining that he's got this, like, assassin on him. And then, like, I think at this point is when he first, like, says, tells Fee that he's not going to tell Sam yeah, about think, the assassin. Yeah, I think because... he's like, keep it, keep it quiet. Exactly. Because of the FBI or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't... Uh, I mean, we learned at the end of the episode, it doesn't matter if we spoil it now, but, like, at the end of the episode, he basically... His explanation to Sam is that he doesn't want to put him in a position to have to lie. Yeah. Which, he lies all the time to the FBI. Exactly. And to everyone. Yeah. That does, well, like, I mean, plausible that's... deniability doesn't make sense I mean, for Sam, a person from the intelligence community, who, like, still makes his living as an intelligence officer, lying his ass off. Uh, yeah, I think that was a little bullshit. I think he also, like, he wants to talk to the assassin before the FBI gets him or something. I mean, he can say, hey, Sam, do you mind waiting a week to tell them? And Sam would be like, can do, Mike. They need to have conflict, okay? <laughs> At which point, Sam shows up and he's, like, annoyed. And alarmed by the shotgun. I love say. Yeah. It's not uh, loaded yet. Ex- not loaded yet. Which, that is a good gag. Mm-hmm. Him, like, again, a lot of the gags in this episode are really solid. Mm-hmm. Perhaps too solid for the actors. Well, that's another issue. Because there's this one bit in the scene, like, Sam comes in, there's like a shotgun pointed at him, and he's like, ah, shotgun. <laughs> and like, he sells it because he's Bruce Campbell. Sure. And then... Uh, and then Fiona makes some remark like, ah, oh, pity we hadn't set it up yet. Exactly, yeah. No, she says, like, the line is like, a few minutes later, ah, oh, too bad. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the line. Like, yeah, yeah. And it's supposed to be kind of like a throwaway thing, mm-hmm. but she says it, like, so forcefully. She's like, <laughs> Well, she says everything forcefully exactly. because Fiona is forceful. Yeah, so she's like, a few minutes later? Oh, well, too bad. Like, it's just really... I also think that particularly Fiona has struggles because I think that her American accent does not come naturally to her. So it's like, you know how when you start to learn another language, but you don't really know where to emphasize words because, like, you know technically what words go in the order, but, like, it's hard to, like, inflect like a normal person because you're still not used to sort of the construction of the sentence. I have a suspicion that it's some of that because, like, she's definitely a better actor than old Jeffy. Uh, And I do think that some of her inflections come off bizarre and it sounds like it's because she's trying to figure out how to emphasize things outside of her normal accent because she's sort of doing double duty. That is possible. So I'm going to give Gabrielle Anwar a little bit of a pass here. But agreed, everything she says is forceful in the same forceful tone. Exactly. Also, another very important thing that's happening in this scene is Michael eats a yogurt. Yay, yogurt. So that is our first yogurt of the episode. But yeah, and then, uh, so Sam shows up and he's like pissed about like the bar brawl that he got in and and Michael does not say anything about the assassin at Mm -hmm. all. And then uh, Michael does say that he needs a ride to his mom's because his mom calls and says that um the garbage disposal the, is busted yeah the, the the garbage disposal is busted and he's like ah call a plumber or whatever and then she says she's gonna stick her hand in there and he's like <laughs> to get him to okay. which is a very that's a good another good gag it's another something good... i 100 percent believe that she would say exactly yeah and then so and then so michael tells sam's like i need a ride because the charger is busted because they've decided after all this work of like fixing the car yeah they've immediately decided to no, we need to take the car off the table i mean in fairness they spend like 
most of season one fixing the charger. <laughs> yeah, and I forgot, like, I forgot that. Watching the next episode, like, later, like, I didn't realize how much of, like, a through line this mm-hmm. fucking car yeah, is. Yeah, the fucked up car that they have to fix, but that everyone conveniently knows how to fix. Like, everyone on the team is apparently, like, Fiona's a mechanic, Sam's yeah. a mechanic, like, everyone's just, like, randomly a mechanic. If you're a spy, you're also a mechanic. But Fiona wasn't a spy. If you're a terrorist, you're also a mechanic. <laughs> I guess it's probably true. She probably learned a lot about wiring from, like, bombs. Exactly. From explosives. That's, <laughs> from explosives. that's, that's her explosive that's knowledge. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so... So he goes to his mom's house. He go, but... Yeah, goes to his mom's house. And Nate, Michael's brother, is there. We finally have Michael's brother, who has been teased up to this mm-hmm. point. Yeah, we couldn't wait to get to Nate. Exactly. Best character on the show. I'm getting a feeling you don't care for Nate. I don't care for Nate. <laughs> the garbage disposal was a convenient ruse. Mm. And she was just trying to get... The uh, boys together. The boys together. Um, because Nate, the boy, has a case. I, like, genuinely hate Nate. and In the same way that... But, like, in a different way than I hate the mom. Because, like, I like Sharon Gless. I think she's fucking hilarious. I think her delivery of some of these, like, throwaway... Like, she's the person with, honestly, the best comic timing next to her, maybe even just a little bit after Bruce Campbell. Yeah. But I think she's one of the funniest comedic timing actresses on the show. Uh, Nate is just a bland white guy whose character also sucks. Like, Sharon Gless's character sucks because it's convenient for her to yeah. suck. But, like, he sucks, and also I find the actor uninteresting. Yeah. No, he's not a good actor. He, The character reminds me of... Um, oh, my God. What's his name? But, like, there's a similar character on Weeds. I didn't watch Weeds. Um, I, did, I watched a season and a half and remember yeah, nothing about where, it. Where, like, it's just kind of like a fuck, scumbag fuck-up character. Yeah, I, scumbag fuck-up who just, like, seems to fuck up despite, like, having everything going for him in so many ways. Like, yeah. a brother who can get him out of trouble. Like, he, he gets money. At, like, he just, he seems to fuck up for no reason. He just seems to fuck up because that's his character. And I have not been convinced by performance or backstory explanation that the continuing to fuck up is motivated by anything other than plot contrivances. Maybe, I don't know. Some people are fuck-ups. I've met fuck-ups. I mean, so have I, but he's just such a, like aggressive fuck up i don't know i don't buy that he fucks up this bad so often it it shows a superhuman level of bad judgment yeah exactly and it just like that kind of character is frustrating for me to watch like that's why i don't like nate episodes because they're frustrating because he's just a frustrating character and it's similarly why i don't like the mom character because she's just frustrating like it's not like fun frustrating or like you know like one of those um family characters who's like overbearing or whatever but they mean well or whatever like neither of these people mean well they're bad actors who are selfish and shitty but michael hangs out with them anyways because family is important i guess even though there is no reason for him to expect family to be important based on the family that he has had yeah see i don't know i found myself liking him in this episode like i'd forgotten about him totally <laughs> i'd just forgotten that this was a character that existed or anything about this character mm-hmm. but like i liked it because suddenly we have like a proper conflict as opposed to like a whole bunch of sort of vague not abstract conflicts between like sam and fee and like and like with every other character on the show so far like, Michael 
is at best kind of annoyed by them or mm-hmm. but kind of likes them. Even, like, even his mom. But he can work around he them. He can work around them or whatever. Whereas this is a character that, like, he has, like, a lot more, like, conflicts with. Like, and I think, like, like his backstory with his brother is, like, like, there's something really immediate of, like, this guy lost a bunch of my money. Like, there's lots of reasons that, like, it's sort of, it's like his conflict with his dad, but, like, with a character that can react to that. That's fair. And like he, he is the one person who's, like, the most active, like, antagonistic presence in his life. Exactly. Who he also has to deal with, like, kind of nicely because he's his brother. It's also, I guess, if the show was better, it would have been an interesting exploration of, like, the ways in which different people uh, raised in the same circumstances turn out. Yeah. Like, Michael, you know, decided to go to the military and got really disciplined and, like, got his shit together. And Nate went sort of in the opposite direction, but uses his trauma not as, like, fuel. Not that I think trauma needs to be fuel for anything, but, like, he, yeah. he uses it not as just like a, a fact that he can overcome but as an excuse to not overcome anything to be like oh sorry my dad beat me yeah. like he's like one of those people exactly and it's like that's true but you also independently suck outside of your circumstances and so it could be an interesting exploration of the ways in which people deal with trauma but it's not i mean it's not but like it's also i it it makes plotting a little bit more um a function of like our main cast and like the conflict like the conflict more like coming from our main cast as opposed to coming from like outside forces that's true yeah and like and so that is something that i do appreciate about nate at least in this episode yeah i'll give you that i like i did appreciate that anyway nate's got a case um there's like a friend of theirs from from high high school school. (laughs) i know he looks like 20 years he looks so much there's like the thing that's really good i don't know who's High school, because I don't, also, I have no idea how old, what the age difference between Nate and Michael is supposed to be. Yeah, because Nate mentions a couple of times in this and the next episode that, like, he spent, quote, so much longer with dad because Michael left for college. But also, they don't look that different in age. they look almost, he looks like maybe, like... Like four years, Four years. At most. And so I'm trying to figure out, was this a time in which all three of them were in high school? Yeah, that's the other thing, because Nate presumably knows this guy, even though the guy looks older than Michael. Yeah, no, the the only way that makes sense to me is if, like, Nate was a freshman. And they were seniors. Michael was was a senior, and Bill, this other guy, taught Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's the only way that this makes sense. But it is presented to us as if he is a friend of theirs from high school. I mean, some people lose their hair early. That's like, true. Like, Stephen Miller looks like shit, and he's only 36. Yeah, but, like, Stephen Miller, like, I mean, he looks awful. Yeah, he's, like, but a like, little goblin But man. it's not even just, like, the dude's face. It's, like, the dude's skin. He has, like, wrinkles and, like... This is what I'm saying, though, is Stephen Miller kind of looks like that. Yeah, so... Yeah. Anyway, so this man of indistinguishable age... Again, this is another thing. Okay. They could be the same age. Yeah. But also, this man, Bill... Has an adult daughter. Like, this daughter is, like, well, she's 18. Like 18. Yeah. But, so that means that, like, how like how old is Michael Weston supposed to be? I think probably mid-30s. Exactly. So, like... Mid to late 30s. How old is this guy Bill supposed to be that, like, he has an 18-year-old daughter? And, like, it's just... He could if, have had a kid early. If Michael Weston had an 18-year-old daughter, we'd be like, that's weird. I mean, yeah, it would be. That exactly. Would be and so, like, that, it just, none of this makes sense. It's a throwaway line that they're in high school together. It's never mentioned again. No. Not It's once. just a reason that Nate would know this person who Michael would also know. Exactly. And it it could have been anything else, and it should have been. Yeah. But, uh, best episode so far. Yeah, exactly. But uh, anyway, so Bill has a problem. Bill has a daughter. Uh, his daughter, uh, has gone off with her boyfriend and hasn't been heard from in, like, a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
he wants to know where his daughter is and that she's okay um, because she wants to be a model and her boyfriend is like said that he was like a model scout mm-hmm. and not in the sense of being a very good scout. <laughs> uh, and so, and the police said that like the police can't do anything because she's eighteen. And she's and allowed she's, to do whatever she wants. Exactly. But the dad got a skeevy vibe. Got a skeevy vibe from this guy. From what was his name? Brandon. Brandon Reese, I believe. No, Brandon Diggs. Oh, Brandon Diggs. Yes, Brandon Diggs. His name is Brandon Diggs, and he has uh, John Ralphio energy, which you and I independently thought of because I saw this in your notes, and I was like, "Holy shit!" I was gonna make a note about how he has such John Ralphio yes, like, energy. We, we're gonna meet him in a scene, and he has such John Ralphio energy. I was saving it for that. Oh. <laughs> You're getting ahead of yourself. Sorry. But yes, uh, when we meet him, he does have very strong John Ralphio energy. But Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, So, but like they find out um, there's this guy, Brandon Diggs. um, They try to find out stuff about him. And Sam digs up info and like finds the bar that the guy hangs out at. Because like that's the thing that Sam finds out about everyone. So there's this guy. He used to be in the military. This is the bar he likes to hang out. Mm-hmm. It's like there's this woman. Like she's she's like heads a ring of like fucking Girl Scouts that also rob people. This is the bar that they hang out at. Yeah. Every yeah. time. Yeah, I think that they must just have like access to a bar that they can shoot in a lot, and no. also they want an excuse to have like sweaty women in tight All the dresses time. that they can pan to if it's not going to be a beach episode. Exactly. But um. They visit, like, four different bars in this episode. There's a lot of bars Mm -hmm. in this episode. unique bars. It's not like they keep going back to the same one. No, yeah. Like, one of the jokes is that, that, like, Sam keeps talking about, like, I want to be at this bar. I got kicked out of the other bar. (laughs) It's just, like, this is a bar crawl of an episode. Um, So they go to the bar that, like, Brandon Diggs is known to hang out at Mm -hmm. um, based on his info sheet. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, like, Nate and Michael and Fee... And then Nate and Michael go talk to the bartender. And then Nate, like, tries to, like, strong on him. Like, tell me, where's this guy? You seen this guy? And the guy's like, I don't know. And, like, and then uh, Michael has to call an audible and pretend that they're, like, used car salesmen. Mm-hmm. And that, like... Well, not, not, not used car salesmen. Basically, he, like, cars. de-escalates by saying, hey, he, he put a put a thing down on a yeah, fancy he gets, car. He gets, a, like, a southern accent. I feel like... Halfway through the first sentence. I feel like when he starts talking, he does not have an accent. Which, but by the if it was a of... choice, would be funny because he's, like, finding his character as yeah. he talks. Uh, but, yeah, basically, he was, like, he de-escalates the aggression that Nate showed by being, like, we want to give this guy his car, but we can't, we got his number wrong, and, and he, has, he has a hold on this really fancy car that we'd love to give him, but... Yeah. So we came to a bar that we everyone knows Brandon Diggs hangs out at. <laughs> yeah. Brandon Diggs... <laughs> Like, he talked about it on his YouTube channel, mm-hmm. Brandon Diggs. Every week. 7389. Yeah. Uh, every week, Brandon Diggs some new thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, and then uh, then the, the bartender has no other questions. Exactly. That's fine. That sounds One of plausible. these carmen is very aggressive, but I guess he just really wants to make this sale. Exactly. To this particular guy. He buys that. Because um, Jeffrey Donovan has such an honest face. Mm-hmm. And uh, that southern accent that, makes you feel... Folksy. Exactly. He'd never do no harm to nobody. <laughs> so he points them to... To, like, the VIP room. Like, he hangs out in the VIP room. And this is a bigger... This is... Although this is another example of, like, Nate, I think, being useful in the story is that, like, forcing Michael to call an audible and be like, oh, I gotta do this now. Like, and then they... Anyway, they start bickering and then Fee's like, well, I can talk to... I was like, I'm good at getting men out of bars. Mm-hmm. Like, smash cut to, like, 
her making out with non-John Ralphio mm-hmm. up against the tree outside. Yeah. That's actually a good edit. Like, this show is not well edited a lot of time, but that mm-hmm. was a good edit. I like to think that's a script thing. I was going to say. In, on a script level, you can just be like, smash cut to this. Yeah, exactly. I kind of think it was. Mm-hmm. Just going on the theme of this just being a little more funny and, like, mm-hmm. competent. Uh, sure. And so, like, she takes, like, takes him to the car, his car, and then, like, Michael shows up and, like, threatens him. And now it's good to be violent. And um, Brandon explains that she's now with these guys. I think... This the is, Wilhelm the Brothers? The Wilhelm Brothers. I, they explain in the scene about these guys. The Wilhelm Brothers, they're, like, an escort service, basically. Mm-hmm. And that she's with them now because he, like, finds girls for them sometime. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... But they're, like, a secret escort business even to their own employees. Ex- it's well, basically, like, a human trafficking. Right? Yeah, it's, it's basically human trafficking. And so uh, Michael and Fee are like, well, we'll just, like, we're going to have to go get them. And it's like, you don't want to go there. They got guys with guns. And then we get another... Like, really bad line reading of a joke. <laughs> like, Jeffrey Donovan says, Guys with guns? Of course. Just like, but like, really loud and like, seems very upset. And again, this is a line that's supposed to be thrown away. It's supposed to be said like, dryly and sarcastic. You know, like... But Guys he, with guns. Of course. Of course. But like, he just says it with such <laughs> emphasis. It's weird. It's a weird choice. Which makes me wonder about the other takes. I like, cannot even imagine. It makes me too uh, horny. <laughs> All right, moving on. Speaking well, of horny. Yeah. Sam. <laughs> so Sam is reading up, in this next scene, Sam is reading up on the most erogenous parts of the flood. Yeah, it was like a Cosmo or something. And like a Cosmo or something, which is great. Which, again, I feel like a little more absurd generally than the show has been up to this point. Mm-hmm. Like, they're more, the jokes are just a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit tighter. A little more erogenous. Yeah, no, he's reading a Cosmo magazine. And and he's like, but it's research because they're in the fashion business. Exactly. Um, and explains that the Wilhelm brothers are like, their legitimate front-facing side is that they're like fashion people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do a lot of charity work. And Michael assumes that like, this is how Rich Johns like find out about them. And they use these charity events to like find these Rich Johns and like get like prostitutes to them and like meat and all that sort of thing it's a very efficient bad guy business it's a very efficient bad guy business that their front and their back can be together (laughs) Um, he also gets a call from fee who has tracked yon the assassin remember yon the assassin remember yon the assassin um and michael asks sam if he can borrow his car again and when sam asks why he replies that he needs to buy some yogurt. This does not count as a yogurt this, sighting. I was gonna say this mentioning does not. yogurt is not enough. I need to see the goopy motherfucker. You, you need to be able to taste it with your eyes. Yes, um, but, but it he, is cute that the excuse is to go buy yogurt. Like I appreciated the yogurt mention, exactly. even if it does not count on our yogurt counter. Oh my god! And like when Sam, it's like Sam presses him. Are you sure, like, to buy yogurt? Because like well, this is their conflict in this episode, and. And then Michael just says, I just love yogurt. <laughs> and he does. He really does. He really does just love yogurt. Um, oh, which also, one thing I've been trying to figure out these couple episodes is, does Sam still live there? I think he does because I think I, uh, and this will be something that we can mention in the next episode, in, in my episode, um, in episode five. But I think the at the end of next uh, episode when he meets that woman I think that's the woman that he moves in with for a while and has like a serious girlfriend for a few episodes huh. so I think she's why he moves out Interesting. but you're right that it's not 
explicit. It's unclear if Michael still has a roommate. Yeah, because I mean, he is always at the apartment. I mean, but so is Fee. Exactly. Uh, although Fee has a key. She does now. She was still always at the apartment before. That's true. Uh, but, like, that's the point. Like, her having a key means that she kind of lives there. You know, like, mm-hmm. anyway. But, yeah. Um, it's very unclear. Anyway, so Michael goes to this charity event with Nate. I don't know exactly why Nate has to be involved. I think he probably insisted, and I think Michael's probably like, this will be low-key enough that, like, he'll feel like he's involved. I can keep an eye on him, so I know he's not doing any underhanded shit. Yeah. Um, and then it's, so he goes to this, like, charity auction where they're auctioning off dresses because it's, like, fashion. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're also kind of auctioning off the women underneath. Yeah. It's definitely, it's very skeevy. Um, and then, uh, Michael gets in, like, a bidding war over a dress with one of the Wilhelms. There's two Wilhelms. They're brothers, but they're interchangeable. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter which one is which. But also, so is this not their fashion Why are they bidding? I mean... Isn't it their event? I I mean, they could still bid. On the dress that they presumably own because they put on the event? I mean, I don't know if, like, they are selling all the dresses. I don't know for sure if they make dresses. They're just, quote, in the fashion business. But we know that this is their event. They might be, like, representing models. Maybe. Because, like, that would make sense. Um, it's, it's sort of I guess, unclear. yeah, that makes more sense. Um. Yeah, they're, they're a legitimate business, while efficient, also doesn't super make sense, because they don't explain it, but I guess it's not important. The important thing here is that Michael is bidding to, like, basically signal to them that he is a high roller. Exactly. He, oh, a guy who definitely wants to pay for sex. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, yeah, he wants to look rich, and so he gets in a bidding war. And then Nate is there, and Nate is a compulsive gambler. And so he's really egging on Michael to, like, spend more money. Right. And it almost looks like it's going to backfire. But yeah. But it, it doesn't. And, and, like, the voiceover seems to imply that, like, Nate's compulsive gambling is actually a good thing. Because he, he can tell when other people are bluffing. Exactly. When it's like, Michael, you're, like, a studying, you're, like, a student of human psychology, and you are a spy. Like, you probably have the same sense for when someone's bluffing and when someone isn't. Well, yeah, but he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades, whereas Nate is a specialist. That's, you know what? You got me there. Yeah. After after the bidding war, uh, Michael, like, uh, meets with one of the Wilhelms. Again, they're interchangeable. Right. I, I, for, I don't think... Did any of them get names? No. I don't think... They're just Wilhelms. Yeah, they're just Wilhelms. They're just Wilhelms. Um, let's see. So he... he... Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. Michael, yeah. And so after the bidding war... Like, Michael goes and talks to a Wilhelm who invites him to a party um, where some of his girls will be. Will be. Um, and Michael is pretending to be rich. It's really vague what, like, he's mm-hmm. supposed to be. Yeah, this is be. not a distinct alias. No, I'm calling is, it right now. No, this is not a distinct al- alias. Um, he is, like, he is a rich guy. He has a wife, but her, his wife is back in New York. Mm-hmm. They might be from New York, but I don't know because he doesn't have an accent. Well, I think he's from the New York that doesn't have an accent. Because, like, his New York accent, who knows Paco disguise, yeah. uh, is, like, kind of a hard guy. Yeah, like you know, a lower class. Yeah, like, he needs yeah. his coffee. But, yeah. like, this guy is from, like, the Upper West Side. Exactly. Or probably even the Upper East Side, because that's where the old money is. Yeah, exactly. So, like, he gets invited to a party. After this, Michael sneaks into Jan the Assassin's hotel room with Fee, um, involving a scheme where he, like calls for like he calls for room service for like one room or like to get his towels and then he poses as someone who's 
like staying in like the next room and then like strips down to like a robe and then pretends to have lost his key like while getting ice that's like the whole scheme or mm-hmm. whatever and then like he strips down and like fee is there and fee is so horny <laughs> fee is like horny for this dude yeah, for I think you describe him as uh, oh, yes. a men's restroom sign of a man. Yes. Here's the thing, though. I kind of get it. Like, not Michael Weston specifically. He doesn't super do it for me. But, like, uh, there's honestly sometimes there's nothing more palatable than an empty man. I know. There is a guy that Chris and I know uh, who doesn't live here anymore, but we knew him for like a year and a half, and he was so thoroughly personalityless and boring, and I was obsessed with him. We referred to him as the wall because he had no personality, and that talking to him was like talking to a wall. It was, yeah. It was tremendous. I was obsessed with him. You're a very odd person. But like, what I'm saying is I get, me and Fee are very bright, vibrant women, and sometimes we just need a wall. Used to bounce things off. Exactly. Off. Because so, we're so much, we need something to, you know. Absorb you. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Fee, this big explosive person, needs this men's restroom sign of a man. Yes, exactly. And she needs, like, it's like <laughs> she's just like, it's like, you want to just fuck right here? That's like what she's saying. She's like, let's just do it. Let's just fucking do it. She's like, her performance is so just like. Um, she wants it. And then like, but. Michael, ever the sort of monkish warrior, <laughs> it's like, no, not right now. Must do the work. <laughs> I am not tempted by the pleasures of the flesh. <laughs> I must go pretend to be someone who's staying at this hotel and, like, be slightly low-key racist to this, like, <laughs> uh, to this one maid who's trying to get in this room. So he gets in the room. And, like, looks around Yon the Assassin's apartment or, like, hotel room for, like, anything useful. And finds not much, but, like, a couple of... Like, it's hard to tell, like, exactly what he's looking for. Mm-hmm. He's just looking for something. Just looking for and doesn't something. he have some voiceover that's like, sometimes... Even the most careful people leave he, things behind. Exactly. What he, things, Michael? What things? Like, yeah, he looks at, like, stuff that he's bought, like... Eventually, we learn some of the things that he found later, but, like, they actually don't mention it in this scene. It's mm-hmm. just kind of... I think it, a lot of scenes in Burn Notice seem to serve as, this is how they got into the room. We'll tell you what they found later. Yeah. Because we just need to prove that they did do reconnaissance. And a lot of the times, like, the act of reconnaissance is more interesting than watching them learn something. We can know that they learned something later when it's relevant. Yeah. And then I guess, I, I guess that makes sense to me. But, yeah, so he breaks in, learns some stuff about Jan, and then leaves. And then we have a Sam a scene with Sam. Yeah, um, a scene with Sam where, like, he's with his FBI handlers and they're getting pissy with him for not having enough info on Michael. And it's a very short scene in which, like, these two FBI handlers cannot act. Like, they're about to get written off the show. And, like, I think partially because these two men cannot act. Yeah, no, they're like black holes of charisma. No, they're... And, and Bruce Campbell is giving them so much. Like, they're... The just lack of facility with the spoken word <laughs> is so amazing. It's like watching full-grown adults acting like children who are pretending to be adults. Yeah, it's very it's very off-putting. So I'm glad that they're written off next episode. Exactly. Um, but yeah, basically, FBI is getting pissy with Sam. Meanwhile, at the party, uh, Michael finally finds Jenna, the daughter of Bill, um, who seems... <laughs> His classmate slash math teacher. Exactly. And Jenna seems, like, 
pretty oblivious to this whole thing. Like Once again, a teenage girl has no sense of self-preservation whatsoever. At all. No, she's just excited that she's going to get to model. This is her big break. It's her big break. And she's excited. Um, and then, like, the men have to, like, pull her away from Michael. Because she's not for the domestic clients. She's for the international ones, <laughs> yeah. basically. Yeah, no, yeah, uh, exactly. Like, um... Afterwards, like, he talks to a Wilhelm. I don't even remember if this is the same Wilhelm. They're the same. Like, they're just... Just a Wilhelm. It's just a Wilhelm. And, like, and Michael, being the rich trust fund guy, is like, I, I want to fuck her. Can I fuck her? Can I fuck her? I want to fuck that girl. <laughs> and, yeah. The, Verbatim. The, and the Wilhelm explain, explains that, like, no, she's for international... Because, like, this is, like, a trafficking thing. So, like, she's going to get carted off to the Middle East and become part of some sort of... Rich Middle Eastern guy's harem or something. Sure. It's unclear, though, why they can't also get some domestic business before she gets shipped off. Well, part of the appeal that they explain in this scene, and this is gross, like, because Michael asks why she seems to not know, like, what's going on, and he explains that, like, some people, some, like, clients like that, which is just really kind of fucked up. But, like, presumably... The, you, they only get one chance for that. And, like, fair enough, like, they get one chance internationally, but it also seems like that gambits up immediately. Yeah, and so that's the thing, is that, like, there's one time they gotta save it for the fucking sultan or whatever. Oh. It's all it's all really gross. He would be a fucking sultan. I mean, that's that's the thing. That That's the thing that we're implying, is that mm-hmm. it's, like, rich oil guys, and, you know. Fucking sultan. A sultan who fucks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, these sultans fuck. <laughs> uh... There's a lot of dumb editing in this scene, too. It's just, like, all these weird, like... It's this... The show is this weird habit of, like, freeze frame, fade. And then, like... But, like, not cutting to something different, either. Like, like... It's, like, a freeze frame, and then it fades, and then, like, it's real time. So it's just, like, a few frames later. It's so weird. Yeah, I, I don't get what they're doing. It's a very specific aesthetic, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, and it's really dumb. Anyway, so next scene, like, they meet up with the father. To, like, let him know what they've learned. And he is, like, pissed. Which is natural. It's just natural. He learns that his daughter is being unknowingly uh, sex trafficked. Exactly. And so he's like, I'm gonna go. And then uh, Michael's like, no, if you do that, she's gonna get hurt or whatever. Like, we got this. Mm -hmm. We got this. And then Nate is like, do we got this? And it's like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But also, oh, we didn't mention this earlier, but Bill has already given Nate money for this. And Nate, like, the first thing that we learn in this case is that Nate has lied to Michael about how much money they're getting for this case. Yeah. So, like, already there is uh, money sensitivity. Yeah, there's a lot of money sensitivity. And and Nate really wants his cut of the money, Mm -hmm. like, now. Uh, Michael and Sam decide the best way to get Jenna is, like, in the car on the way to the airport. Because, like, if they go, like, to the compound, there's going to be lots of guys. And, like, once she's on the plane, like, she's gone. So, like, that moment, like, in the car, they're vulnerable. And I think that's something that they've either already mentioned or will mention again. Is like, the the time that people are most vulnerable is while they're in transit. Yeah. Like, that's sort of, yeah, I think they... And that's probably a thing that other shows have done, too. Because it's, like, anytime there's an armored car robbery, it's after they learn the route. Because they don't yeah. want to get them while they're in, like, a bank or, like, in the parking garage. It's, like, it's always better if they're in transit. No, yeah. And which that definitely makes sort of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Michael and Sam discuss this, and then Fee comes in and gives more dirt on Jan the assassin because that's the plot bifurcation of this. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we learn that uh, he watches his food get prepared. Like, he goes to the kitchen at the hotel 
and watches them prepare the food. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Michael asks her to bribe the cooks on information about why he does this. Again, in this scene, Fee fantasizes about Sam dying. Fee really hates Sam in this episode. Like, obviously, like, they don't like each other. That's well, their... and that carries over to the next episode. Like, I think that the running plot is that even though they've reached a somewhat uneasy piece because they're all working with Michael while they're in Miami, I think that a big pressure point for Fiona is that because her only love in life is Michael and because she sees Sam as being, like, a snitch yeah. on Michael specifically... Yeah. I think that that really rubs her wrong. Oh, definitely. And, like, that comes up next episode, like, a lot. Yeah. Whereas in this episode, it just seems to be, like, her chaotic energy. She just wants him dead because she <laughs> wants to She wants to see the light go out of his eyes. Because, woo, it's fun. Like, that's kind of, like... That is... That's very true. <laughs> in this episode in particular, like, Fee is particularly chaotic in this episode. I kind of love it, though. And No, no, I'm here for it. But, yeah. Um, and this, once again, she just imagines him dying. Mm-hmm. And it's very fun. Then we get a call from mom. Yeah, Madeline calls again and says that Nate has been hurt because some men came to Madeline's and beat the shit out of Nate because he owes some people money. Of course he does. And so that's now we know why he wants the money so bad and why he keeps asking for his half up front, why he keeps asking for like his half now because yeah. he owes some nondescript thugs money. Exactly. He just owns some people money. Um, and, but Michael does not want to give him said money. Because he doesn't trust Nate with it. Like, he doesn't feel like if he gets the money that, like, he'll pay off his money. He thinks he'll go to the track and he'll bet more. And, like, because he's a compulsive gambler and that's what they do. Sure. Yeah. But uh, Nate is just, like, pissed and he's like, well, I'm going to get a gun. With what money? He knows a guy. (laughs) Sure. He's going to blow him for it. (laughs) All right. So Fee and Michael, like, ready a car that they can kidnap Jenna in. And thus unkidnap her from our, like, sex traffickers. While they're doing this, Madeline says that Nate went to Michael Michael's apartment to get his share of the money. He gets a call from his mom. While gets, yeah, yeah. I think Madeline thinks that, oh, you guys buried the hatchet. <laughs> you guys made up mm-hmm. and split the money. But no, he's going to steal the money. And then um, Michael freaks out because his apartment is both booby-trapped and being staked out by, like, an assassin. And I guess probably uh, outside of the booby trapping problem, like there might be a like wild family resemblance that confuses Jan. It's like possible. I mean, like I think he's more worried about the booby trap, but like, mm-hmm. but also like he's there, and so like Michael has to hurry back mm-hmm. um, and try to get Nate before he opens the door and gets his head blown off. And of course, Jan the assassin is there, and Jan the assassin just like starts like shooting at him, and he tries to figure out if he can get to Nate before he gets shot, or like if he's shooting at Michael. Shooting at Michael, yeah, shooting at Michael because like Nate, uh, Jan sees Michael, and so like he's trying to shout at Nate, but Nate hears nothing. Yeah, and also again, what the fuck is Jan's plan? There have been way more opportunities to kill Michael, like set up across the street and snipe this motherfucker. Like he has like giant walls of windows and you know he's in his apartment because you've been staking it out. But this is the moment where he's like, oh, there's Michael. You know what I should do today? You know what I've been like craving? (laughs) Is to kill Michael West. Like what? It's very big. And like eventually Michael talks to him and learns nothing. Yeah, no, it's it's such a like, like, kind of useless plot and in some ways I guess it's interesting because it's so useless and it's like this high stakes thing but he still ultimately learns nothing because that's how high up it goes yeah 
And, uh, but I do, I do enjoy it. I do like yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fun plot. I just, yeah, I, I kind of wish they'd learn more. Yeah, and like, or just had any sort of clear sense of what this guy's deal is. Mm-hmm. But like, Michael does get like shot a little bit. Just, yeah, he gets a ricochet. He gets a ricochet into his back, but he saves Nate from getting his head blown off. Um, and Nate is not grateful at all. Not grateful and at all. And then spends the ne- entire next scene being a shit dick. While he, like, does minor surgery on Exactly. Michael. Yeah, no, yeah. A, a scene later, um, in the next scene, like, Michael is, like, um, fucking giving him directions on how to take a bullet out. And he's just, like, yeah, really, like, being a dick. He, like, slaps the wound. Because, like, Nate is a dick. That's his whole thing. Yeah. But, uh, again, it doesn't seem motivated. Like, Michael just, like, fucked up a case and, like, got himself shot to save his life. You know? And, like, and it was to save his life because he wasn't supposed to be there in the first place. Like, Nate fucked up, his brother got shot, and Nate's reaction to that is to say, like, fuck you, Michael. Here, let's slap your wound. You know? Like, there's there's no element of human empathy in Nate. And yeah. so I don't... He doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. He, this he's is not true. He's not a nuanced enough scumbag. No, this is true. He's not. Then that is definitely a problem. Uh, meanwhile, like, while all this shooting is happening... Like, Sam and Fee are waiting to kidnap Jenna, and, like, they have a whole plan that involves all three of them. Mm-hmm. Sam wants to abort, and Fee is just, like, about to, like, fucking jump out and just, like, take her anyway. And so Sam calls an audible, gets out, and gets himself hit by the car. And it's not, like, a like a fake hit. Like, he cracks the fucking windshield with yeah. his head. Yeah. That's gotta fucking hurt. His head is very thick. I guess, but, like, the size of that crack was alarming to me. It was. I was immediately very concerned about Sam. Yeah, but he gets out, and once again, they really quickly fall into the roles of, like, bickering couple. Mm-hmm. And it's the, the most natural. The most natural for them. And Sam is like, what the fuck? I'm going to sue you. I'm going to call the police. And the idea being that, like, if they call the police, like, if they say they're going to call the police, that, like, the Wilhelms are going to change their plans. Like, the, the, the voiceover is, like, the first mention of, like, police like a bad guy like change their plans or whatever um which i think is the first time that we've had like a michael weston voiceover in a scene that michael weston is not in yeah that makes sense but yeah he threatens to call the cops the wilhelm just pays him off and says gives him a bunch of money so he doesn't call the cops and then still changes his plans like are they that late for the airport they're so late it was like the plane was about to take off they're like they're late arriving at the airport people (laughs) sure um, it just seemed like that inconvenience didn't take any time at all. And once the guy was paid off, like, the conflict was over. So just keep going to the airport, guys. I mean, I think, like, maybe the, they were afraid that, like, he might go to the police anyway. If he would, it didn't matter because they were... He doesn't know they're going to the airport. As far as they know, he's just some dude that they hit with a car. Like, is he gonna... If... Okay, I, I, I see what the problem is here. You're not a spy. <laughs> If Not you're a yet. spy... I would be a spy if Michael Weston had more practical spy tips than bullshit passive observations. If you were a spy, you would know that if you did as much as mention the word cop, a bad guy will always change their plans. That's how it works. It's a magic word. Yeah, sure. All right. So... But yeah, and so... so but they, the, the plans change magically. And so now they're going to go go leave, leave on an airplane tomorrow. Yes. Because Sam has so fucked up their plans. But then, so Sam shows up while, like, Nate is taking a bullet out. And it's like, what the fuck? You've got, like, a bullet in you. And Michael's like, it's fine. It's fine. No big deal. Everything's fine. Because, again, Michael has still not told Sam anything about this assassin. And so when someone tries to assassinate him, he has to lie about it. And, like, Sam knows that he's keeping a secret. But Michael's like, it's it's fine. It's like, 
I gotta keep you in the dark. Uh, and then when they go to bar four, the, Sam yeah. brings us up again. Yeah. Yeah, the, the structure of the scene sort of... I think there's something that happens in between. I think there's, like, a scene with... The scene ends with Nate and Michael. Because I think that's also the scene where he decides to give him money. Maybe. Yeah, maybe maybe now that he's risked getting shot. Yeah, exactly. Now, like, the fact that, like, he's taken a... Nate has taken a bullet out of him is, like, proof enough that he can give him money, I guess. Sure. Um, but yeah, and then Sam and Michael meet at a bar. Again, bar four. Um... And Sam mentions that he needs to give the FBI something or he'll lose his pension. Because, like, the the pissy, no-acting FBI guys, like, really need something. Right. But I thought that he was getting paid on top of his pension to spy on Michael. I thought that was the whole thing. I didn't think that his pension was contingent upon spying on Michael. It's not clear. But it also could be, like, that if he is withholding information. Got it. That's, like... It's like, like a punishment. Yeah. It's illegal. It's bad. He's aiding and abetting or something like that. So it's also that kind of thing. I think um, that's the idea. Um, but yeah, so he mentions, like, these are the stakes that I have right now. Um, and then Michael gets a call from Nate. Bill has been hurt because Bill had tried to go to the house himself because, like, I guess they had promised him, like, we're going to have your daughter. And then they didn't have... Because it was a three-man job, but Michael left. Exactly. Michael got shot. Because mm-hmm. um, he left. Because he left. And so he had tried to go himself, and he got, like, like I guess the shit kicked out of him or something. It looks like his knuckles were hurt, so, like, did he just punch real hard? And then, like... I, I think he probably went in swinging, yeah. got maybe one or two in for surprise, and then got the shit kicked out of him and tossed out. Exactly, yeah. And Bill is, like, really angry at Michael about it. Which is, again, fair. Like, you expect to get your daughter, who's being sex trafficked, home yeah. uh, on a day, and then you don't. And yeah. then you learn it's because Michael abandoned his post. Exactly. I mean, I don't know how much... I wasn't sure how much Bill knew. I think they probably mentioned it that, like, the reason we couldn't do this is because something came up. Because Michael says something. Yeah, Michael says, yeah. So I think Uh, he knows enough to know that, like, it's kind of Michael's fault. Yeah. Even though it's definitely Nate's fault. It's definitely 100% Nate's fault. Um, But yeah, and so they decide on a new plan, which instead of, like, stealing Jenna, they steal a Wilhelm. But my thing is, they had a plan. They could have just waited to the next day, right? Like, what? what's stopping them from just doing the original? You got Bill, the guy on the left, you get the guy on the right. Bill is going to keep going to this house. It's <laughs> only one day. Bill, like, no, I think, I think they had to tie Bill to a chair to keep him from going back again. <laughs> like, Bill is going to call the police or something. I don't know. I think, like... I don't, I don't know if that's exactly what it was, but the implic- maybe that was, like, the thing. Or, um, it was just or like, maybe, we need to move up the timeline. New plan. New plan. Get home. Yeah, and also, they can't do the same scene again. That's boring. Mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah. Instead, they abduct a Wilhelm. Mm-hmm. Um, they um, they just, like, you know, they get him, they get, and they just throw him in their trunk. It's not that hard. No, apparently it's not very hard to, to kidnap a known dr- uh, human trafficker. Exactly. No, it's super easy. And so they throw him in the trunk, and then Nate and Michael have this little scene where, like, Nate says that he actually paid back most of the money that he owes, and they talk about his dads and whatever, and, and you know, and they're most, they're kind of nice to each other, while sitting on a trunk that has, like, a man tied up in it. Which is a kind of funny gag. It's a funny gag. Again, funny gags in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot to work with here. Yeah, and then, and so they get in contact with the other Wilhelm, and they have the scene where they sort of... <laughs> Same time? Same time, yeah. Where they, like... <laughs> The hostages yeah. walk. The hostages walk from one to the other, and they get Jenna back, and they give back the Wilhelm. But also, there's a secondary thing, which is that 
they have to give them their illegal prostitution money. Yeah. Like which just a- resolves so easily. They're just like, not only do I want this one specific girl uh, for your brother, but also end your operation and give us the money. Exactly. Yeah. They're like, and they're like, okay, sounds yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. They're just sort of fine with just like, I have no questions. No, not at all. Yeah. We'll stop being sex trappers. We'll still be fashion people. Cause they, they do say that like <laughs> Michael does give them this. You can still be fashion people. That's fine. <laughs> Go ahead. But like no more sex trafficking for you. And like, we're going to take all your money and give it to the girls. And then Nate's like, well, maybe we could keep some of the money because he's a scumbag. Sure. Um, I don't know. That just like, it resolved very fast. It resolves so fast. Like, because usually he tricks people out of money. No, this time he's just like holding a man hostage and saying. But but brothers stick together. Exactly. Because yeah, because that's, that's the whole point. The theme is family. And the, the theme of the episode is like. Everyone has family, even. Except for the fact that next episode is the episode called Family Business. What the fuck is this episode called again? Old Friends. Old Friends. Not family. Not old family. Yeah, but this is the episode ostensibly about family. Yeah, it doesn't... It doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense. But yeah, um, but like, everyone has family, even if your brother's a spy, or even if like, you're a brother who also has another brother and you're both sex traffickers. You're still family. But yeah, and then Michael returns Jenna to her father, and like Jenna like runs to him and hugs him real tight because she just found out that she was almost sold into sex slavery. Mm-hmm. And then like he hugs her tight, and then the dad like looks up to like say thank you to Michael, but Michael's already walking away because that's how much of a bad badass burn notice is. I think he's just bad at like genuine human emotion. He is so bad. Yeah, he's very bad at genu- genu- genuine human emotion. Although it would have been very funny for them to like break apart and Michael is just standing there like right. Yep. Right 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 right. <laughs> anyway, I got to go. <laughs> yeah. That's... So we good? Yeah. But what I love about it about that moment though, he looks up and Michael's like almost gone is that like He's still, like, walk. you can still see him through the door walking away. Yeah, like, he, he doesn't, he like, go full Batman. Yeah, he did not. And I was like, I kind of wish he had done. I wish he had gone full Batman. But instead, he's just, like, sort of walking away in the distance. It's, like, such a half-assed Batman. That is kind of the Michael Weston story. Half-assed yeah. Batman. Half-assed Batman. Meanwhile, we cut to Jan the Assassin, who is at, like... Like, Tony's Hot Dogs, I believe is what Yeah, a darkened, hot... empty hot dog place. That has, like, a darkened, empty hot dog place that has, like, picnic benches. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is sort of like a food truck setup. I except could... no one is there. Yeah, it's a little... Well, it's because it's, like, late night at the food truck. It was also... This but was... his food is fresh? Um, well, they're made to order. It's 2007, and people haven't caught on the food trucks yet. Sure. But also, he's, like, next to the stand, but no one is there. How did it get cleared out, and the food is still fresh? Maybe Michael killed everyone. And Jan got there, and Michael wore a funny hat to sell him the hot dog. Yeah, he, he bugs Bunny did. Yeah, okay. Um, but Fine. yeah, that's in canon. They didn't explain it, so that's in canon now. Exactly. Uh, so Michael and goes Michael, a quick change. Yeah, Michael knew that he would be there because he had found like a Tony's hot dog cup in the apartment. That was one of the things that he had found. And like the, at the time, we just saw him look at the cup, and we forgot about it. Now, um, Jan is back because Jan loves Tony's hot dogs so much that like he goes there multiple times during his like three or four day Miami hotel stay which is bonkers to me I think it's not bonkers to me so I wrote a note in your notes which is that because you your question here is do you when you're staying in a hotel at a strange city for a few days ever go to the same restaurant more than once yes 
That's 100% what I do because I crave structure. And so when I'm already out of place in a strange hotel, like in a strange city that I don't know anything, I don't have my, you know, this is where I go for Mexican food. This is where I go for pizza. Like, I don't know anything. So as soon as I find something that's like reasonably convenient and well-priced and nearby, I just go there every day because it's one thing that I don't have to worry about. And it's one thing that gives me like a consistency and structure in an otherwise completely structureless like trip. Oh, see, that's, I don't know. I feel like, although to be fair though, I usually don't take like working trips. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I could see like on a working trip, like I don't want to have to think about where I'm... Yeah, exactly. That's like, that's a hundred percent what it is. Cause I, I now travel a lot for work. And so yeah. like if I'm somewhere for multiple days and I find a place that's easy to like get to and is like efficient to eat at, I will just do that every single day. Like once I find a place, I'm like, perfect. Do you serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner? <laughs> See, I, no, anytime I'm in, like, a strange city, it's all about, like, well, now I can, like, eat something that I've never eaten before. Well, but you're usually, yeah, on, like, vacation, on vacation or, or you know, But, like, even family. in general, I, I don't know, like, um, I mean, like, especially since I don't want to eat, like, the same thing, like. I will do that as long as I have, like, something consistent. But the other thing about it is that because we know he's very specific about his food preferences, so maybe he knows that this is a place that's like safe for him to eat. Yeah, and maybe because it is like a stand or whatever, mm-hmm. he can watch them exactly make the hot dog. And that that could be it. That does actually make a lot of sense. Um because it turns out Jan has a peanut allergy, which I feel like you can say to most people, hey, I have a peanut allergy. Can I get something? No peanuts. That's, that's like, that's a common enough thing that you don't have to watch the chefs make it. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, uh, maybe it's also like a secondary thing. Like he thinks Michael might tamper with it. It's possible because that is in fact what happens. <laughs> he was right to think that because Michael did tamper with his hot dog and, Somehow. Put, like, and put peanut in bet- powder. In between the time that I guess the place closed and Jan, still eating fresh hot dogs, sat alone in a dark area. So Michael shows up and says, "You've eaten some peanuts," and uh, and of course, and Jan starts going into like anaphylactic shock, um, and like Michael has stolen his epipen and is like holding him hostage and be like, "You're gonna talk before I give you this epipen." Which I don't know a lot about anaphylactic shock, but I feel like one of the things that it does to kill you is close your throat. Well, and that is something that is happening to him. I know, but like you shouldn't be able to talk. It's like the thing of like that that thing in TV where like people are like choking but are also talking, and that is impossible. I think that the implication for Michael is that like you have to give me something, I will give you this thing, and then we can continue talking, or talk fast, or I will kill you. Yeah, like it's it's a motivating factor. No, but I mean, like my point is that. This man is talking and he should not be able to be talking. <laughs> like, physically. But, um... He's the he only assassin. He's very tough. He is. And, like, he doesn't really give him anything. Like, all he says is, like, you got burned and want, now that you're burned, people want to kill you. Like, and, like, well, yeah, we knew that. Yeah. Yeah, like, no, we learned no new information. Yeah. Um, but so he uh, injects him with the EpiPen anyway and then, like, leaves... But but not before, like, tying him to the bench. Yeah, he, like, zip ties him to the bench in full public. And then, like, what? doesn't he, like, immediately call Sam? He calls Sam and says, here you go. Like, give this to your FBI people. Like, that'll get them off your back. Which it shouldn't, because that's not what Sam's job is. I'm just, like, imagining why that would work. It's like, um, he does this in another episode, too. And I only barely... doesn't super work there, either. It kind of does. But, like... I just can't imagine Sam, like, continually going to these people, like, so what's Michael up to? Like, forget Michael. Here, have this guy. I think I think the implication that we're supposed to get is that, yes, these FBI guys are ostensibly there to, like, watch Michael. 
But if they happen to catch other bad guys while they're there, it looks good for them because it means that they're like not only keeping tabs on Michael Weston, dangerous ex-spy, but also they're just still being FBI guys, getting bad guys. I mean, yes, but I don't see why that would make them more amenable to Sam. Because it makes them look good. The idea is that it makes them look like good people. And if Sam can help them look good, ultimately it doesn't matter to them that they have like the minutia of Michael's medicine cabinet. I know because maybe. they've looked good. That's that's the explanation. I'm not saying it makes sense. It, it doesn't make sense. But what we're supposed to believe is that as long as these FBI guys can look oh. good for doing very little work, they don't really care what information it takes to make them look good. All I'm saying is I work in a doggy daycare, <laughs> and if like like my boss was like, "Hey, did you feed all the dogs today?" and I'm like, "No, but here have some pizza." Even if they really like the pizza, after like a couple of days, they'd be like. Okay, stop giving us pizza. You need to feed the dogs. I always feed the dogs. <laughs> uh, that is a disclaimer. I always feed the dogs. No dogs were harmed in the making of this Burnett episode. No. But yeah, I don't understand that all, but apparently it's fine. Anyway, so uh, Michael wakes up the next morning and to find, like, at his door, like, a smiley face balloon with, like, a plant in it and a note that, like, the note basically says, like, I don't know, we'll be in touch or, like, like... Yeah, something, see, something vague. Exactly, it's vague. Like, see you soon. Yeah. Um, and then, like, he calls Sam and explains that, like... And Sam explains that, like, Yan got, like, picked up from this FBI guys by, like, higher-ups and then got, like, killed. Well, he was found hanging in his cell by his shoelaces. Exactly. So, like, they killed him. Yeah. Like, someone high up in the government who knows about Michael... And is trying to help Michael out or be whatever, like kills Jan for for him or whatever. But I don't, I don't, I didn't get the sense it was for Michael. I got the sense that it was he might know too much so that Michael could learn something from it. Also, I don't know. It was really unclear. I, like, yeah, I think like you're supposed to garner their motivate motivation a little bit from the note, but the note was so vague. Yeah, and also in this entire scene, Jeffrey Donovan is shirtless. <laughs> like that's our wall. That's our wall. And that's how you burn notice. That's Way to bring him home. Yes. All right. Um, let's look at spy tips. Um, and I forgot to highlight them. Yes, you did. Um, did you give up on highlighting them? Or are these the I only think two? these are really the only two that felt practical to me. Not a lot of practical spy tips this week. Mm-mm. Um, which, which is too bad because he had an assassin on his tail. He was like fighting with sex traffickers and like having to like re-kidnap a kidnapped girl. Like there seemed to be a lot of potential. I think this is also a thing, again, that comes from having someone else write the show. I think, like, Matt Nix is really invested in the idea of spy tips. And so, and, like, perhaps has a lot of spy tips in his hat. And, like, so... And this guy leaned on it more as just, like, explanatory voiceover? Yeah, because, like, if you're, like, a TV writer who's been in the business for a while, and you're like, oh, this is a show with voiceover, so... I'm going to use voiceover for the things that I'm used to doing voiceover for. That makes sense. Like, I think that is kind of the thing where, like, other people writing for the show aren't necessarily, like, used to the idea of specifically, this is for spy tips. Um, And I know sometimes, like, for me it was kind of difficult because I also think a few times in this episode it would be a thing where, like, the voiceover would say, like, a general thing, but then we would see him do specifics. Yeah, yeah, it definitely, like, tried to do more show-not-tell. Exactly. Even though this show is explicitly about telling and then also showing sometimes. Exactly. And so, like, it's a thing of, like, 
if you're too competent a writer, you kind of like run into problems with writing burn notice. But yeah, so like at the beginning, we have two like decently practical spy tips, and then a lot of nothing. Let's go through it real quick. Yeah, the first one: want to blend in a new city? Bone up on local sports. Number two: if it seems like you're gonna end up in a fight that could get you killed, get in another fight with someone else that won't. And like that's actually decently. Yeah, it's useful. it's it's basically like. Pick your battles. Yeah. If there's one that looks really bad, pick a different one to just fuck with their initial plan. Yeah, basically. Uh, three, when booby-trapping your apartment, keep it simple. Easy to set... See, I think that's... No, no, no. Keep reading, because this is why I didn't highlight it. Easy to set up and disable and make sure your friends don't show up unannounced. So first of all, that second part is bullshit. Like, how can you just say, like, hey, no one show up unannounced? Like, that's a crazy thing to say. I mean... Also, easy to set up and disable feels like a reason for it not to be a good booby trap because if it's easy to disable then the person raking in well like easy for you to disable because like i imagine like because like obviously michael has to be getting in and out of his front door easily like can you imagine if like every time michael showed up like he had to like do 10 things just to get into his door no yes because it's the inconvenience is enough to keep you safe well no because the point of a booby trap isn't that it's hard to disable. The point of a booby trap is that you don't know it's there. I guess that's fair. Fine. I'll give you this one. That's a third practical tip. All right. Number four. Uh, You pick up great self-defense while fighting with family. Again. Okay. Yeah, that's nothing. Spies go to bars for the same reason people go to libraries. For information. Okay. Okay. Um, The key to a good knife defense is to control the knife hand and strike with everything you got. Seems, like, fucking obvious. Like, what if I just ignore the knife hand oh, no. and slap him around a little? Like, exactly. Like, of course you control the knife hand, you fool. Fighting is often about tactical retreats and knowing when to make the body count unacceptable. I also think that's kind of a thing. Like, I think Vague. That, but it's like, no, but I mean, also, the visual that we see, like, kind of, like... Uh, makes, fair enough, I don't remember what the visual is. Uh, like, Jan is chasing him. And he goes into like an elevator and Jan looks at all these people and is like, well, I can't kill all these people. Mm. Yeah, that's a good ex- example of like the spy tip not being great, but the like combination spy tip visual. But that's the thing really is that like, good. is I, I think like the writer would argue that like the, that the like, yeah, that the actual voiceover is the setup of the tip, but the punchline of the tip, the payoff is the visual and like. Oh no, it's a hundred percent better. Exactly. Yeah. It's just harder in the recap. Exactly, yeah. But so, like, I think that counts as a spy tip. Anyway. Fine, okay. So that's, that's um, number four. I'll give you that. All right. Um, eight, pimps are all about show. Okay. Uh, which is one of the few spy tips that's also a rap lyric. Nine, compulsive gamblers are good at picking up on other people's tells, but that when they're wrong, it's expensive. Again, yeah, it's just an observation. That's like nothing. Ten, any good operative is careful not to leave much behind, but everyone gets careless and the littlest things can be useful. Eleven, rescue attempts are harder when the victim doesn't want to be rescued, so eliminate escape routes and keep a low profile. Kidnapping people is hard. Yeah. That's not as vague as the next one. Some situations just come down to probabilities. (laughs) Oh, God. And then, any decent criminal will change his plan at the mention of the word cops. Which seems not true. Yeah, as we have litigated uh, extensively. It does almost seem like another variation on, are you a cop? You have to tell me if you're a cop. (laughs) 14. Spend enough time in countries without hospitals, you pick up a few things. 
like how to take a bullet out. Like he doesn't even say how to take a bullet out. That's another one of those like the visual punchline is this mm-hmm. thing. Out. But I still don't think that that's practical. No, he just like says like make an incision, get the bullet out. Exactly. Yeah, it's not. I would assume that that's what I would do, Michael. Yes. Um, Fifteen. Running an operation is about planning and execution, not feelings. That sounds like a Ben Shapiro line. It does. (laughs) Not a practical spy tip. Exactly. 16. Family is always good leverage because you can't really turn your back on them. I mean, you can. You can. Listening audience, you can. And then finally. Uh, The drive home is grueling for someone you've just rescued, especially if they were unaware of their situation. Also, it's just an observation. And also very specific to this situation. Mm -hmm. Like, there was a lot of tips about rescuing. I don't know how often you rescue as a spy. I guess you do sometimes. Like, this is, like, more a tip for escort missions. Yeah. Yeah, no. So, uh, we definitely failed the tenet of it needs to be more practical than observation. Oh, 100%. Even if we count the ones that I argue are practical. Yeah, that, we got four. We have four that are practical. Out of 17. Yeah, no, not enough. All right, so speaking of ratings, uh, let's rate this episode. All right. So does Michael Weston solve the weekly problem with spycraft rather than violence? Does he? I'm trying to think. I mean, it's a lot of reconnaissance and There's lying. a lot of reconnaissance. I mean, again, the question becomes, that we talked about this last week, about... Is the important thing that there is lots of clever spy things or there isn't violence? Because I don't think he solved anything with violence. I mean, actually, no. No, they, like, steal it. They kidnap it. No, they solve it with violence. Yeah, violence. I'm pretty sure. Like, because this, this seems like another one where similar to, um, what was it? Not Identity, the one that I did. The uh, there, There's one episode where it feels like he keeps fucking up because, like, the case is almost an afterthought to the yeah. other, like, the B-plot. And that's kind of what it feels like this happened again. Like, they have a very vague plan, and it, you know it's vague because there's no, like, investment in an alias. Yeah. And so it's a very vague plan where he's going to pretend to be a John to get information, and then if at some point they're going to kidnap her. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, like, it, there's not a lot. And then that goes wrong, so they're like, all right, well, we're going to just go more aggressive and violent. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of what this felt like. So, exactly. I mean, so what, no, do, yeah, what, do, you, what do you think? I, it, no, it's it's more, it's more violence than spycraft. Yeah, yeah. I feel like just doing reconnaissance isn't enough because like cop shows do reconnaissance, exactly. and that reconnaissance is not what sets you apart. No, one hundred percent. And then again, we it's already failed the spy practical voice. spy advice. Yes, yeah. uh, it, he doesn't have an alias. He does not have an alias. No, he does not. Other than vaguely rich. Mm-hmm. Um, rich kind of pervert. Yeah, rich kind of pervert. Um, he doesn't get to blow anything up, does she? No. I don't think so. And I don't think she gets to use her explosives as expertise either. She's no. just kind of along for the ride this episode. She's just there to snipe at Sam. And yeah, and get so horny. Mm-hmm. Um, does Sam get to be Bruce Campbell? Um, not really either. Like, yeah. he, he gets, like, a, the little scene where he gets hit by the car. Yeah. But, like, even that isn't, like, the most Sam. Like, the, the next episode, he has a really great, like, Sam, Sam to the rescue scene. Yeah, not really. Again, I think this does speak to the fact that this is, like, the first episode of this show that is written, like, fully by someone else. Mm-hmm. Where, like, yeah, it, it's kind of interesting to, like, see someone else just kind of write, like, a little bit more of a generic show. Mm-hmm. Um, with these sort of characters. Yeah, so I would um, say, so we've already established it's, like, based on our criterion, not a great episode of Burn Notice. Not a great episode of Burn Notice. I would say it's kind of a great episode of television, though. I think we had a good time No, no, it. I... This is where I, like, chafe slightly at our rating system because I don't think... I wouldn't call this, like, great. Like, because it's tough, like, what, what, what we mean when we say 
a great episode of television because like the body is a great episode of television sure like it's you know um i don't know exactly do you want to add like a third thing an okay episode of television <laughs> i mean you're know, just like it's definitely i mean a, we can just say it's an episode of television but it's our favorite so far we could i mean but it also becomes a question of like i watched this show for four ceiling first i watched this show for four seasons I feel like I know its ceiling. Well, there's an uh, there's an episode I have in mind that like I bought, like I have purchased this episode because I like it so much, and I think it's a great episode of television. Like, so That's there, fair. there's a handful of episodes that are definitely more standalone ones, but that I would consider great episodes of television, like yeah. down the line. So I'm happy to not give it to this one, like it, just because it's our favorite of the first four, yeah, or first five, I guess, doesn't mean that it has to immediately. Hit Spoiler them. alert: We hate the next episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm not thrilled by the ex- the yeah. next episode. All right. Um, so are we agreed that it's an episode of television? It's an episode of television, but it's like if it's a good one. If we had like, yeah, if we had like, there and was... I would argue that none of the episodes up to this point have been good. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, they have been passable. Sometimes they have been fun. Like, Burnabas is interesting because it has so much going for it. But, like, and I think this is probably just the case with a lot of early shows is that, like, it takes them a while to find their footing. Oh, yeah. That's definitely, like, that's true of shows in general. Um, And so, like, I I forgive it. And, like, obviously it didn't rub me the wrong way because I've watched this show many times. Like, I love this show. Yeah. I am having a good time rewatching it. Now we've got four under our belt. We, all of them have just been an episode of television. Uh, only one of the first four episodes we have ranked as a great episode of Burn Notice. So, interesting. They don't know how to do their show yet. No, but I do think that they find their footing. Certainly season two is a lot. Like, I remember season two being a lot better. So, right. I'm hopeful. But right. uh, until next time. All right. This, this has been an episode of a podcast. <laughs> About an episode of Burn Notice. All right, and tune in next week where we talk about another one that, who knows, could be great. I don't think it's going to be great. Yeah, peek behind the curtain. We record these in batches of two. Yeah, we've watched it. Each week we watch Okay, but here's the thing. I don't want to, like, discourage you from listening to next week's episode. No, it's going to be a fun episode. It's going to be great. We're going to be amazing. Like, I don't want to spoil something. I think we're at our best when we're rude about things. Exactly. I mean, everyone knows that being mean is funny and great, and you should do it more. Mm-hmm. If you don't like that, fuck you. Mm-hmm. All right, so we'll see you next week. I also want to thank uh, Vincent E.L. for our theme music. Please go li- listen to Vince's music at uh, vincentel.bandcap.com. It's all very good. Vincent is a great artist. I call him Vincent. I never call him Vincent. <laughs> but Vince is a great artist. Listen. Support him. Yeah. Uh, and support us. Yes. There's no financial way to do that yet, but if you would like to give us money, send us an email and we'll give you a PayPal. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> like, if you want to give us money, we're not going to say no. We just don't have, like, an official way to receive it. Yeah. So send us your, send us an email, yeah. uh, your bank account information. Stop us on the street and give us change. Uh, talk to us next week. I'm, this is the end of the episode. This is the end of the episode. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, <laughs> everyone.